This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Apparently, Villa have scored seven goals in additional time this season, which is more than any other top-flight campaign since the Premier League's inception. Do you want another startling Villa fact? Go on. We are the only team in the history of English football that secured both parts of the double, the FA Cup, and winning the league on the same day. I like it. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Right, then. Let's crack on. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's a... Uh called My Old Man. This is Vassal breaking through for Villa now. The substitute Vassal finds the shot coming in from Bertang and it's George Bertang who scored for Aston Villa. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Thank you for joining the Villa podcast that's big on personality and probably the only current Western cultural experience that hasn't had a chunk of it bought by opportunist Sovereign wealth due to COVID. Joining me to discuss the latest happenings in the Villaverse, the uh, pandemic-verse, and uh, also uh, to have a few laughs as we uh, tackled the latest trio in Underrated and Overrated, Mr. Chris Budd. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. And Mr. Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground. Welcome, sir. It's a delight to be back. Three times on the trot. This is an incredible scene. It's like I'm locked in a, ha- in a, in a room that I can't escape with everyone <laughs> forever. Well, I've noticed you'd put up a, a Faroe Islands website, football website. I mean, uh, no wonder you're appearing on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my celebrity status in the Nordic countries is, is through the roof, as you know. Uh, and, and I think anyone anyone looking for their, to, to have football fired into their veins now has to look further afield. You, do, you don't need the Bundesliga in your life. You need, you need the Faroe Islands where sheep outnumber people, I'm sure. That's not a fact I've checked. 
Um, <laughs> I can't. It's just like it's a bit. It's wait. Well, it's not even football hipster. No, 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 David. It's not even football. <laughs> I've checked. I've wa- I've watched the last the first two weeks of the season, and um, uh, uh, I'm going to thank friend of the show Christopher for the uh, for the stream. That was excellent, and um, to watch it in HD in all its glory. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing it. I don't. I mean, with all due respect to the Faroe Islands, I'm guessing it's like watching Sunday League football in HD. I I think that's a disservice to Sunday League footballers. To be honest. <laughs> I. I'm following a, a club called AB, and they, the you know, using all of the stats to to pick my team. Of course, I just picked a team in Claret and Blue, and I've not seen them score yes, yet. Well, so that's just a lie. Actually, I have seen them score, but not in the right net. <laughs> oh, sh- shades of Richard Dunn there. Comedy own goal at the weekend, but you know, we we we, we power on. <laughs> so how how has lockdown? Well, I mean, we, we've, we're way into it now. I mean, the mm. highlight of my week was borrowing the next door neighbour's lawnmower. Oh, to, uh, oh finally, lawn born. <laughs> mow the uh, communal lawn. Nobody else uh, is around. Everybody disappeared. So uh, somebody's got to do it. What was you telling me, Chris, about Elton John trying to sing or something on some? concert or something he's, he's been butchering i'm still standing isn't he for the uh it was like a, a charity thing where you know, people like billy eilish and him and various other people <laughs> it basically went like what dan sang yeah he's lost all his uh his s's i think his teeth i think <laughs> that as well he was trying to sing through is it in the matrix where where neo's trying as his has his lips sealed together when he's being interviewed it was <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's been taking a few too many of Neo's pills. Allegedly. Right, let's get on with the show. Uh, coming up in the show, well, uh, the Premier League teams are back in training. Uh, not training as we know it, because uh, they're not allowed to touch each other just yet. Uh, we will uh, get into discussions about that as the Premier League's, apparently by hook or crook, are uh, trying to get uh, this league back up and running for the uh, 2019 stroke 20 season. We'll also look at uh, Mr. Minas by uh, an ex Villa player. And in the three points, while the Premier League uh, is still uh, hanging on to uh, restart, the EFL seems to be going down a different route as League Two uh, cancels uh, for the season. Meanwhile, the Bundesliga is up and running and uh, providing inspiration to the Premier League. We'll have a quick look at that. And uh, again, we're off to South Korea to find out the latest crowd substitutions, shall we uh, Shall we say. And in the underrated and overrated, I think a bit more of a rational choice uh, this time round. Uh, more, let's say, you can go for wild cards, which I think we enjoy more, but uh, also you can go for, for actual debate where that particular player is on the borderline of underrated or overrated. So we have George Boateng, Tommy Johnson, and also Stuart Downing. And uh, we may have our first legit Villa legend in Legend of Fraud or Pharaoh of Furlough, where we still haven't got a name for that segment. Right, gentlemen, uh, let's get on with it. Uh, so Villa are back in training. Have you seen pictures of this? Pictures of people spaced out and not, no, not literally spaced, spaced out. <laughs> high. <laughs> high, on, high on life. Uh, yeah, it's this weird, weird imagery of, um, I think Matt Target described it as weird, didn't he, in one of the... Yeah, they're all like is it groups of little groups of five training on pitches miles away from each other in a 
just strange. I think the Premier League said the step one of the return to training protocol enables squads to train while maintaining social distancing. Contact training is not yet permitted. Uh, I mean, they're making a big hoo-ha about uh, club doctors, independent experts and the government all uh, being in this big think tank and uh, making sure there's the safest environment possible, uh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the safest way of doing it is uh, not to do it at all. Yeah, but not, even... not to put people together in close proximity, <laughs> sweating and breathing on each other. Hmm. Oh, and, you know, the health and well-being of all participants in the Premier League uh, is the Premier League's priority and the safe return to training is a step-by-step process. Yeah, well, uh, Troy Deeney doesn't seem to agree with that. Uh, Troy Deeney uh, has, I think he's a five-month-year-old uh, uh, kid who uh, has some, at this stage, some breathing uh, difficulties and he's just said outright he's, he's not going back. And uh, rightly so, There'll be more. There'll be more of them, and and I and I think it's interesting that the background to this it is hard to 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 gauge what the broader opinion is. But there are there are a few players now starting to break ranks, aren't there? That I know. Yeah, um, I mean they they did. Uh, I mean, there's one club that hasn't sent in their results yet at the time of recording. But uh, out of 748 tests, this includes players and obviously coaching staff. Six positives have uh, yeah. come back. Now compare that with 10 positives in 1,700 tests. So that's well over twice the amount. Mm-hmm. In the Bundesliga, which uh, they, they did on, uh, I think it was May the 4th, so just shortly before the season kicked off again. So I don't know how many more tests they've got to do. I mean, obviously they have to do that one club. It's probably Villa, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, 30 uh, positives there. Sorry, can't compete in the league. We've all had a Villa dog and we've lost our sense of smell <laughs> and taste. <laughs> <laughs> forever. <laughs> it's seared. seared. <laughs> there is no vaccine for that. <laughs> it's terminal. <laughs> I mean, it's all about players' personal experiences and uh, situations to see how, like the Troy Deeney, you know, if it hits home harder, then uh, you're going to react uh, more forcefully and, and, and more principally. Yeah, as well. Especially when his club were another one of the sides who, you know, have just confirmed it was a, a, one player and two members of staff have um, tested positive as well so there's a couple right. of sides that are coming out and saying mm. it was them you know, Burnley been open about it Watford have been very open in relatively breaking news and, and I'm sure Brighton as well yeah and there'll be, there will be other clubs and this is where the Liverpool fans probably Leeds fans chirp up with it's funny how it's only teams in the relegation fight that have got the uh, you know a testing positive yeah it was kind of what Mings tweeted wasn't it sort of quite yeah. jokingly well, this is the thing you've got to uh, you've got to push away this kind of tribalism, as we keep saying. Uh, I still think in every every other level. I mean, the Bundesliga, as we as we mentioned before, the way Germany have uh, been a lot more successful in terms of keeping the death rates down mm. and actually uh, meeting the the, uh, the virus head on, and the way way they've dealt with it is a, a lot more competently than uh, this country has. Uh, I'm afraid to say so. Uh, this is the situation we find ourselves in. I mean, I mean, and even in England, any league that doesn't really have money attached to it has just closed down because they just don't want to go through uh, all the the hassle and mm-hmm. obviously endanger people in the next few months. So uh, you know, it speaks a lot that Premier League are uh, full steam ahead. Well, this is purely an economic exercise, and I think that the point you make there is quite right. That there isn't even comparison across the divisions that if you were to say well hang on where's the equity and where's the integrity in, in that decision where you've got other other league other divisions in within our own domestic game that are void done yeah 
you know so and just uh, one more uh, bit of villa news uh, well villa related shall i say news uh, police are currently investigating uh, alberg and former villa legend <coughs> <laughs> Uh, Yoris Akore for match fixing uh, of all things. Uh, it won't be for, would... for fixing victories. <laughs> maybe that would explain <laughs> his contribution in the uh, the 2015 FA Cup semi final against Liverpool when he came on and uh, inadvertently kind of passed it uh, across his own six yard box to one of their players. Yeah, weird that. But you know, are they confusing him throwing matches for him just being shit? <laughs> I mean, <that's... laughs> I, I, to be honest, Your Honour, I would I would uh, put forward a legendary own goal at Luton. That <laughs> great finish. <laughs> <laughs> There's a significant body of evidence that suggests that he was just gash. It's a weird one because when we signed him, uh, it, 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 he was allegedly. I mean, I remember, always remember Stan Collymore tweeting, finally, a centre back with genuine pace. Because he was the man that Chelsea were meant to be after, and we'd, you know, we'd pip Chelsea to the post because, you know, we'd offer him more regular football. Maybe Chelsea knew a little bit more than we did. At he had the, the time, pace though. of a suction cup. It was so. <laughs> It was fucking painful. Surely, surely not a Villa signing who was overhyped. That's never happened before. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, let's uh, let's keep an eye on what happens uh, <laughs> over there, and uh, let's see how good uh, Mister Corey's uh, lawyer is. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's let's move on to the three points. Uh, we we kind of hinted at uh, well, two of these actually. The f- the first one, the EFL uh, Division Two of the EFL have actually just cancelled the league. Mm. Mainly, this is down to, I mean, as well as the health risks, uh, just just the the practical facts, the economic ramifications that they can't mm. actually afford to uh, mm. put these games on because there's obviously no gate receipts coming the other way to pay for them. And I think this will stretch throughout the uh, English Football League up to the championship because uh, there's a, you know, a lot of championship teams that do rely on those gate receipts to uh, function as an entity. Absolutely. And I think that it has already got to that stage where I think I read uh, in the last couple of days that Hall have written to yeah, the championships yeah, yeah. to say that, that that that's the same position really that these division their division at least needs to be voided. I, I also sort of read a, and, and retweeted an interesting piece by I don't I don't think I ever ordinarily retweet Daily Mail articles, but it was a, it was a piece by <laughs> um, <laughs> Martin Samuels on on the the points per game thing and how if that was applied in League One it would result in in just an absolute farcical outcome when actually if you and it's the same in the Premier League that you you start to look across periods of form it doesn't take account for injuries it. Yeah. It's just an absolute shitstorm. It's just not a fair reflection on on, on the competition. I mean, the, the only system that has actually been looked at uh, by other leagues that actually would see Villa survive is if they were to roll the uh, games back to the last time everybody played the equal amount of games. Yeah, 27 would, games, yeah. Yeah, which would be 27 before the uh, League Cup final. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you then you did, uh, you know, points per game, whatever, you know, Villa would be safe. But, you know, that that then you're suddenly nulling sporting merit. And yeah. Watford's results, I think I think when they beat Liverpool, that's including it in, yeah. after yeah. the 27 games. So, you know, that's unfair on Watford. Or so. indeed Villa's lack of sporting merit and going to Leicester and getting <laughs> dismantled. <laughs> but I think the one that the example still stands is, is Leicester's survival the season before they they won yeah. the, the Premier League. Um, is and they were rooted to the bottom of the division. Seven points adrift. I mean, I, I you know I've mentioned this a, a mm. few times, but yeah, it, it's, it's an well. valuable point. They were. 
But it is what better what better example do you need that you know it's yeah. that they won games they went on a, a winning run and won games that no one at that seven game out period yeah. would have you wouldn't have put a penny on them. I didn't that. Sunderland yeah. Sunderland had a mental run didn't they a few years ago as well? Were mm, they the Albion were, did it one year. West Brom with Roy Hodgson. Yep. It's, yep. it's yep. you know Luton have done it. It's, it's it's you know it's a thing that happens yep. Uh, yep. at the end of the season. There's one team down there who just suddenly take. <laughs> So they, they just especially, take apart um, anybody. Especially and, after uh, the break we've yeah. had, where all the teams are starting with no momentum, form kind of goes out the window and starts again now. And the audacity, the audacity of, I know it's the division below, the audacity of Leeds United to suggest that they there is any reasonable prospect of them getting promoted any normal way, because they, they implode every <laughs> single <Yeah>. season. <laughs> Every single it's season. It's brilliant seeing Leeds trying to take the moral high ground about anything. It's a fucking joke. Those are the laws of football, uh, so, uh, Leeds fans, and you must remember this. It is your destiny. Into the second-class carriage. It's quite simple. It's it's like <laughs> Spurs not winning trophies. It's, yeah. uh, in, in like, you know, in, when it comes to the crunch, I mean, there's only one reason Leicester won the league is because their nearest competition was Spurs. <laughs> Just <laughs> simple as that, really. Uh, point number two, uh, Bundesliga, the, the Bundesliga, should I say, is back. Uh, I mean, there's one thing about the Bundesliga. The only reason why anybody uh, would speak about the Bundesliga is how it treats and how it functions in terms of supporters. You know, the 50, mm. is it 51 plus or 51 and plus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fan ownership. Then you've got the atmosphere where you can have beers and uh, there's a bit more organization in terms of uh, fan groups, mm. ultra groups. I mean, my only interest in German football is to go to games. Yeah. I've, you know, I've only been to maybe two, three of them. Yeah. And that was my experience. I'm not following the Bundesliga because it's, you know, it's given me anything extra beyond the Premier League or the English Football League or La Liga or Serie A. You want to Syria. follow the Faroe Islands. That's when you know you're a football fan. <laughs> or, or the Faroe <laughs> Islands. <laughs> And it's built around what a great experience actually is for fans. And, you know, games are cheaper as well. So the league starts and, you know, there's this social media, you know, who are you going to support, which German team you support, and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then the actual product, it's just like watching a, a training match. Yeah, yeah. Ghost games, no, you know, empty stadiums. And then this kind of, I, I thought that Dortmund celebrating to the yellow wall at, at the end was a, a bit shit. A bit shit, a bit... Uh, it almost comes across sarcastic. I mean, I say that. I mean, if I had seen it and I thought, well, uh, you know, they're keeping that connection going, mm. that's fair enough. But when I heard the players interviewed, it, it just didn't sound genuine. So why why did you go up to the stand at the end? Uh, oh, we love the fans. Uh, it was just said in a way that just didn't come across as genuine. Maybe it's a second language thing. Uh, you know, I don't know. I shouldn't be too harsh. I think that the Bundesliga is a, is a, is obviously one of Europe's top divisions, but it's it's finds itself it's marketed heavily on. And I think from it from it, I mean, I can only speak for myself. It's almost like a nostalgic look into how following teams in the in the UK would have been back in the day. I think that sort of tribal, um, that tribal collective, you know, of, of you get these huge walk downs for many German uh, teams from yeah. local factories. Wolfsburg's a good example with the VW factory so close. And it, it was a sanitised, dull, uninteresting set of games that, you know, someone who's lived in Germany and has family there, that there's a, there's a group of core interesting football teams with some good players. But beyond that, when you strip away some of the things that make you go, mm, I've got some passing interest in. 
But know? anyway, let's, let, let's, I'm sorry, I've just realized we're slagging off German football. That, that's not our mission no. here. Our mission is to talk about em, <laughs> empty <will>. stadiums. <laughs> it ain't all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, our mission is to talk about empty stadiums, uh, and <laughs> it's not a product. That, and, and you can see why they're kind of pushing it, because... You know the the Premier League, for example, w- wants to get people in the you know in the swing of things mm-hmm. that football's coming back and get you know the habit back. And uh, we should fill our stands with sex dolls. We should. Brings us to point number three. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I thought I was being clever by uh, mentioning last time how that in South Korea uh, about three years ago. Uh, a baseball team to counter a lack of fans introduce robots as uh, robot fans, but it seems the South Koreans are always a step ahead. Mm. Very progressive. They've got rid of the robot, so it just wasn't uh, economically viable. I don't think the robot model, mm-hmm. and uh, they've brought in the, the sex doll model, which uh, K League club FC Seoul said that, <laughs> said the dolls used to make s- the stadiums look less empty had been ordered inadvertently. Yeah, under right. A misunderstanding with the supplier. <laughs> I wonder right, how many of those always. inadvertently don't get returned. <laughs> I mean, these dolls, for anybody who hasn't seen the picture, they I mean, they're doing the social distancing. They're all wearing their masks. <laughs> they're impeccably and, turned out dolls, David. Well, well dressed, from great hair, all different colour hair. And uh, they're, they're put in different poses. Some have got their thumb up, not up anybody's ass. But. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, looking at the photo I can see, I, I mean, I'm going to suggest that some of the season ticket hold, holders around me in the lower hold are exchanged for some of these rather fetching <laughs> <Yeah>. dolls. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I'll second that as well. There's another one there l- l- kind of sitting there quite demure with her hand between her thighs and then with, with her other hand giving the peace sign. I quite like that one. That's quite cool. Mixed messages for me, that one. Yeah, you don't have to listen to them talking out there are either <laughs> and and then you've got one holding up an exclamation mark sign which which i thought was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> this is worth a google everyone this 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 is quite something yeah. i'll put that on the uh, on the social media for the uh at my old man said and make for an interesting limbs moment when it when they score <laughs> throwing dolls around <laughs> <laughs> well this is what I'm saying about the sanitized. I mean, uh, just to g- stick with the story. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the FC Soul said, "Yeah, we're very sorry, very sorry. I want to apologise to fans." Uh, Who did you said, accidentally uh, order thousands of? Dance it was their dance intention dance. to do something light-hearted in these difficult times. Brilliant. So <laughs> that that kind of subliminally like, gives you a little insight. They knew what they were doing. You know, as somebody rightly pointed out, there's so many people involved in the stage of getting those dolls in those seats. From being approved, ship dressed, seated. I mean, uh, and nobody said, uh, they do look a bit like sex dolls. <laughs> We've already learned on the show that nobody beats the South Koreans when it comes to this yeah. kind of thing. No, and I, and I think for those games, you know, when, when football does inevitably get back, back into the full swing of things, you know, those games where you look around Villa Park and think, oh, it's annoying, the wings are slightly patchy. We should we should fill them out with these <laughs> splendid dolls. It just reminds me <laughs> of that famous final home game in the Premier League against Newcastle. We were launching the uh, inflatable <laughs> penises everywhere. You beat me to it, but the the classic one is I think I put it on my Instagram uh, back back then. I put it on uh, my social media this week. Actually, is this guy bare chested? This is the Newcastle game, obviously <laughs> the inflatable protest, and I think it's in the Trinity end where he's carrying this naked sex doll. This 
not like these uh, more classier South Korean uh, sex dolls, carrying a naked sex doll, and he, he just like walks down a few flights of steps as if it's like uh, a chore. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> it's got a flat cap on, nothing else, and he kind of throws the the doll and the doll doesn't really take to the air much it just kind of drops down like two three seats in front of him i think he was aiming for the pitch but he's he's a good few uh yards away but it's, it's just a great moment and uh there's two morals to this story one is you need fans just to mm. provide the color and i think you need sex dolls as well to <laughs> i do too i don't know why these guys have to say sorry about anything because it's just it's part of the color of football well i, I said it before about the yeah you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't want to go to a concert without an audience being there it'd be crap chris are yeah. you now proposing that concerts that that you're <laughs> you're you're gigging will be full of the okay that's interesting i mean i've played okay. gigs in seoul four times down the years and they were great crowds maybe oh, this is here's why the, here's the admission it's coming yeah, i know yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> cracking trips but they were always good in World Cups, the uh, South Korean fans. How I remember they, that they were, um, like, career in all Japan in World Cup. It was a brilliant yeah. tournament. I th- I've, you know, if I was old enough at the time, I'd have gone. It'd been, it would have been an amazing experience, clearly. Yeah. Right, anyway, let's, <laughs> let's uh, crack on. Uh, just first of all, thank you very much to the, the My Old Man Said patrons, as always, uh, for supporting the show. We uh, slipped out a little uh, extra show uh, with some of the fun uh, highlights that uh, didn't make it into the 104. I still think the uh, the, the, the sacrifice question was, uh, which Villa player would we burn? That was uh, answered in that show. <laughs> but uh, please do, uh, if you're still thinking of being a patron, do sign up as uh, there's a few things in store in the next uh, few months. And uh, thank you to everybody who is uh, supporting the show. You know, one of the any real independent shows that uh, survives on its personality rather than any of a kind of gimmicks. Uh, please do go to uh, myomansaid.com and check out the patron link for more information there. Thank you very much. Right. Let's go straight into underrated and overrated. No messing around. Who's who? We're going to go for first, Mister Boateng, Johnson, or Downing? Let's go for George, shall we? Go on, then, Chris. So first up this week, underrated or overrated is our ex Coventry City tough tackling midfielder George Boateng. What do you mean Coventry City? He's Aston Villa. Well, but I thought it was Middlesbrough. Villaborough. <laughs> and our current under eighteen manager, of course. FA Cup runner up. So set the scene. What what period is Mr. Bertang for those listeners who are not familiar with so his, he was bought uh, by where's... John Gregory after a, a sole season at Highfield Road where he was you know the standout player. Gregory bought him in the season later. At the sort of the turn of the century, I think he was at Villa Park between '99 and 2002, I believe. Okay, have you noticed a trend from uh, the last show? Dion Dublin has a mm-hmm. one good season with Coventry. Oh, oh, fuck! Let's buy that. He's just had a good season with Coventry. Let's buy him. Anyway, sorry. I'm holding it to tank. Steve Grizovich. <laughs> Mustafa Hadji did the same. <laughs> oh God! Oh, oh God. no! Right, sorry. Yeah, there's a trend. There's a trend. So he played 103 games for Villa through the John Gregory era, and I think he he just fell out of favour when he um, was found out. Graham Taylor, <laughs> when Graham Taylor came back for the you know the second you know the second coming that was meant to be. My perception of old George, there was a period, maybe it was just one season, where he was like 
he was like the man of steel. Mm. It was almost like impossible to get past him. And I loved, I loved that because he was a, like a proper DM. You can let, you know, whoever else was in the team, uh, it was Merson was around. He'd have had sort of Merson, Taylor, Carboni. Henry. Yeah. He'd have had flair players around him. Those dudes could do their magic because they, they pretty much knew that old uh, Bertang would just shore up the shop. Mm-hmm. He was very consistent. That was the thing with him. He, he, played, a, he, play, he played most games and he was your 7 out of 10 every week. You know, he, I think he scored like four goals in a hundred games, so he wasn't he wasn't that player. But he couldn't was do fuck really all in solid. the opposition half. Yeah, I, I, was, I was about to say, <laughs> shall, shall we remove our claret and blue tinted George Boateng t-shirt and sponsorship? Couldn't couldn't do anything in the uh, opposition half, but <laughs> getting past him was another thing, and I used to like that because it was like a shield. Uh, I look at him now. Him. Think he's the kind of player we could do with this season. Yeah, yeah. my memory of him was that he was. Uh, in a clutch of Villa players, you just said he was seven out of ten everywhere, and that that was that was an era with Gregory and with with managers uh, before and after him. Really, that we we never had any players that seemed to really develop. That we got the player that we saw at Coventry, yeah. but you're you're never going to progress with Coventry City's best player, and we, no. we just reeled off a few of them <laughs> yeah. really. Uh, and that was always the issue with Boateng. I always remember in his early early days, like David said, he was he was he was a nuisance, wasn't he? He was a, a he was a battler and and he would mop up that stuff. But I, I, my memory of him in that era was that he would he would also tire. And in games where you need that for ninety minutes, come seventy eighty minutes, I, he would he would fade badly. Ultimately, I mean, I, you know, I was I, I liked him a lot in terms of his defensive qualities. But is it a waste of a player to have a DM that that is mm. his only decent role? You, you need somebody who can do a little bit more. I mean, like for example, Ian Taylor was a, a kind of box to box. He had a bit more dynamic. But also, you know, people like uh, I'd rather have like a Kevin Richardson who just mm. by mm. knowing what he's doing, yeah. knowing where he's playing, and and he keeps things ticking away, doesn't need to be that. He, he can play DM, but he can play in a different more. Uh, a bit more expansive, I think. Is or really even later on, way. like a Gareth Barry, who could just do a bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. So while, I mean, you can put him in against the best teams and, you know, their best players would struggle to get past him. And that was the good thing. If you're on the back foot and you're playing a counter-attacking game, then he probably comes into his own there, if you know what I mean. He, he's absorbing. He can take it mm-hmm. on the chin. But when you're needing to break teams down, then I think you need something a little bit extra from all your midfielders. Mm-hmm. They need to be a bit more capable and have a bit more dimension to their play. It kind of sort of, it was very much a Gregory type play. You know, we were very much like a, a grind it out kind of team. There wasn't, you know, you take Merson out of that team and there wasn't a lot of flair. Um, no. They were all very no. functional players. So anyway, let's let's give him a verdict. What are you going for, Mr. Bud? Just because we only paid four and a half million for him, I'm going to say he was ever so slightly underrated. Mm. Mm. I'm going to say underrated just because I do remember... He made me laugh a few times just by people trying to get past him, and, yeah. and they couldn't. Yeah, and I and I, th- I think he's he's sort of the he doesn't have that aura around him because he he, he joined Southgate out the door to go to Villaborough at the time, and his career didn't yeah. really do much after he left Villa. Don't don't carry on talking because you might sway me to change my mind. I just forgot about that. He suddenly, yes. thought, he, he suddenly thought he was good. Yeah. <laughs> he was, met, he was going to go to Liverpool, wasn't he? He was in that well, era of... So, oh, Chris, when I was growing up, I was going to play for Liverpool too. Listen, <laughs> he, he, went to, he went to Middlesbrough and he did nothing. He, Didn't he win a trophy he, though? Which he never did at Villa. Yeah, but this was in the time when you and I could have put a team together and won, won the League Cup. I mean... 
is overrated. It is overrated. <laughs> I'm happy to stick my neck out on this one. Actually, uh, I think anybody anybody who uh, joined that Villa Borough Brigade should be overrated by default. Yeah. I mean, that, in- that includes uh, Ekiog and Southgate. There you go. <laughs> so that's decided then, yeah? Villa Borough uh, has ruined everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look more. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, let's, uh, we'll get on to another Villa, Villa Borough, but the other way around uh, in, in a minute. But uh, let's get on to uh, Mr. Tommy Johnson. Super Tom. Super Tom, who... Was he known is... the Ginger Ninja or something? Is that what I'm just imagining that? <laughs> That's, Paul so. That's Paul Scholes. That's Paul Scholes, I think, I think back you'll in the find. when everyone had a Ginger Ninja. <laughs> he was just a Ginger Ninja, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> no, Tommy, Tommy Johnson it was like, a let's say, a second-tier cult hero. Second-end car. <laughs> But no, it's a lot of love. I liked him. For I liked Tommy him. Johnson. Yeah, I really liked great him. celebration, great personality. I like Tommy Johnson. Yeah, and I mean, he was bought because the the old uh, Ron Atkinson mm-hmm. combo of Atkinson and Saunders had obviously uh, it was tiring. It was getting old. Ron was uh, given the boot. Brian Little came in. And this is one of his initial signings. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. It was to like freshen up the forward line. Then old uh, Savo Milosevic came along too. So Tommy's uh, probably thinking. Uh, you know, here we go. Happy days, because he'd just come from Derby, where I think he was like a one in three kind of man for Derby. I mean, he, he started off his career, and I think he went back there in a coaching capacity with Notts County, where he got them through the leagues. I think they just got back in the the first tier before the Premier League started and got relegated straight away before the Premier League kicked off. But anyway, so he, he was uh, he was a proven goal scorer, let's say lower league. But at Villa, I think the big hindrance to his career at Villa was Dwight York being switched from the wing to centre mm. forward. Because mm-hmm, suddenly that mm-hmm. took the spot off. And Villa had splashed the cash on Savo. And even though he had a sticky start, Brian Little had to really persist with Savo because he, he cost the club more than Tommy Johnson did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though uh, there was a feeling from supporters that, yeah, you, it's time to get Johnson in there because this Savo's just not doing it at the mm, moment. Mm. And I think, you know, you can caveat that by saying you expect Savo to take a bit of time to settle in. So uh, there was a bit of pressure, you know, why isn't Johnson starting more? 
because he would come off the bench and he would nick a goal or two. I think in the uh, he scored four goals in the games that he played. Uh, I think when Brian Little eventually kept us in the Premier League mm. in that transition season. I think his overall record was 13 in 47. I'm trying to think of highlights. Can you remember, remember any highlights? The, the first half hat-trick against Wimbledon when we, when we dismantled mm. them, didn't mm. we? We went a goal down early and then ended up winning 7-1. Yeah. Well, what a wonderful, wonderful response from Aston Villa to that early goal by Warren Barton. Swung in there, it's Teal arriving, and Johnson stabbed it in! He's got a hat-trick! Well, you wait five appearances for one, and then three come along at once. I'm not sure how happy Sean Teal will be about it, because it was probably creeping in, but it's definitely Johnson's goal. Highlights bit being... being... Being sick in the centre circle on his debut. Ah, yeah, ah yeah, yes, yeah. that's a famous one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all these kids. I was there. Uh... <laughs> and I remember he scored um, a cracking goal. I think it was West Ham when we had the, the blue away kit. Um, yeah, the, I always oh, associate yeah. that kit with goal. Him. Yeah, um, I do, actually, funny enough. I think he scored... I remember him scoring against Middlesbrough, which is the same... I think it was New Year's Day, the one when Alan Wright scored that famous volley. Yeah, Johnson yeah, scored the other one. He was always brilliant in front of goal. So, so I think the goal that sticks in my mind was a, a we had a. I don't think we played Wolves for a few years because Wolves would. That was it when it was the it was the and quarter he scored final. in the quarter final at the cup at the Holt end, and it was yeah. a. It wasn't a great goal by any stretch, but it was such an important. It was one of those goals that um, crucial goal. You know, yeah, a, he did his best to miss that, goal. didn't he? He could barely yeah, miss, yeah. and he blasted he almost, it straight in the goal, and it still ended up going yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. there is, there is that feeling, that niggling feeling that it was kind of a Julian Joachim level. He wasn't perhaps the caliber of yeah. being a Villa starter. Would that be yeah. fair to say? I classed them both in the same group. They were brilliant super sub type players, but they just they didn't have that extra gear. Yeah, but he had personality, and and, and I mean that in a football sense, yes. where he yeah. wasn't your cookie cutter kind of player. There was something that might get you something in a you know last five ten minutes. He would persevere and he had determination and he had drive. Yeah. So it's hard to quantify uh, under underrated or overrated. What, what do you think? I'd say sort of slightly underrated just for probably his lack. He's not as appreciated as he probably should be and maybe didn't get the opportunities he deserved. Yeah, I think he, he could have had a bit more of a crack, actually. As I, as I said, I think they stuck with Savo just because of the price tag at the start. Mm. I'm going to go with underrated too, slightly underrated, only because I, I'd, I'd like to have seen what would his return have been um, with, with more starts, because he was a sub a lot. And uh, I, I know Scottish football is no measure of goal scoring, but he did go on to score 18 in 35 for Celtic, I can see. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, looking in his, his earlier career, albeit in the division below, he knew where the goal was. Yeah. You know, so I mean, just for those uh, train spotters out there, <laughs> he's kind of forged quite a successful career mm. in terms of being a scout. Uh, I mean, he's currently a head of recruitment at Blackpool, and he's been with the uh, Irish Football Association for the past eight years. I think he did his coaching bag with them and he was uh, also coaching I think like the under 18 21 level and uh, also doing scouting for them trying to procure English players into the uh, the Irish uh, <laughs> homeland no doubt mm. Mick McCarthy style uh, no sorry Jack Charlton style as well mm. but he, he's, he's been head of recruitment at Black Burn as well. That you know, was like a three-year stint, and he's also had scouting posts at uh, Watford, Forest, and Cardiff. So he's obviously respected in the uh, the world of football for his uh, eye for a player. Right? Let's. Uh, would he have picked uh, our third and final uh, overrated, underrated, Mister Stuart Downing? Con- quite kind of controversial this one, in a in a way of thinking. I think. 
Mm. I'm happy to bring controversy to the podcast. You know this. Um, <laughs> so Stuart Downey, Stuart Downey, right? So Villa, Villa signed him initially for for ten million pounds in 2009. And some context for 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 listeners: that's the, the sort of the height of the Martin o- O'Neill spending and construction before things, of course, went spectacularly wrong. Everybody here would, and and most fans were thinking this 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 is a sign of a team going places, probably. Well, he was 24. He was in the England team. Um, you know, he was he was between two Coventry's best player. He was he was Middlesbrough's best <laughs> best player, and he, they were relegated. Mm. Most importantly, uh, go back a few seasons, as we just said. Our best players would go to Middlesbrough. Now, now the <laughs> fortunes had reversed. Yes, yeah, so the only difference is we paid them ten million pounds for Mister Beige. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, sorry, I must keep my my, my I must not be biased at this point. Uh, so uh, he didn't make it. <laughs> what well, and in true Villa fashion, um, we, we we broke his ankle at the, in the final game of the season before he joined us, so he didn't appear until November two thousand and nine, having having paid ten million pounds. We we broke it. Yeah, can Petrov oh, uh, Petrov yeah, course, broke yeah, his ankle yeah. on the final final day. Um, yeah, when, nice when one, Petrov. Yeah, well, well done, well done, uh, Stillian. <laughs> and um so so downing integrated into that martin o'neill team four year four year deal has has perhaps a good season and a bit for villa and then this is where the wheels were coming off the the randy lerner period i suppose and we've got mcleish in charge and again in, in classic villa fantastically hilarious timeline fashion he was declared not for sale he is not for sale said mcleish on the 7th of july 2011 Sorry, let's just go back when he was at Villa and what what he had to offer. Did he get injured after we bought him? I think we bought him knowing he wouldn't. Yeah, because that's you know, what I thought. Yeah, we I knew we, 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 we had knew him to no, start straight away. <laughs> yeah. but he'll be back soon, so we we went for the yeah. Deal. That, that, that's that's what I thought because this is important context because mm. uh, we as a football fan, you, you traditionally you think if a player gets injured in the early part of their time with us, you think he owes us one. He'll stay. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. No, no, no. But you're right. But that's that's where that's where the context is important because these, he signed a four year deal when he joined. It was big money, big big money. But as I said, the the wheels were falling off the the Martin O'Neill show. He'd gone. Randy Lerner's um, <laughs> disappeared, and in classic Shalomites, <laughs> Shalomites had got him. <laughs> and uh, in, in, in spectacular transfer window, Villa style that he was, you know, he was. Bids and interests were rebutted. McLeish declared Stuart Downing not for sale on the 7th of July 2011. And then, of course, promptly a week later, and by the 13th of July, he was a Liverpool player joining them for a fee of, uh, well, not disrespect, uh, not um, not a bad fee, actually, of around £20 million. Pounds yeah, we, we made a profit. But anyway, what about, but, but let's talk about him actually playing uh, for Villa, because mm. I remember uh, one of the best games I've seen at Villa especially uh, like modern days when mm. we under Houllier and that showed you what we potentially had and what could have been when we had uh, he had all Brighton downing young playing like mm-hmm. as at three interchangeable three just slightly behind and then obviously the the man up top whoever you know whoever whoever was fit at the time <laughs> but they would swap wings and they would actually all swap different positions and Ashley Young would sometimes play behind the the centre forward yeah, wouldn't he that yeah. was his kind of later role for Villa because yeah. he was like the only one with any bloody uh, real threat but you had real dynamic uh, dimension. You could change it up at any moment. You could you could have full backs on toast. They they wouldn't know who they're facing. Uh, you know, one minute to the next. 
and you just thought oh, this is exciting you know, this is there's a potential uh, excitement here and if you know Julio just watching this game against United when we're 2-0 up we've got the dynamic uh, hog and mm. Bannon in the middle of the park <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost shat my pants when I saw when I when I saw got into because I didn't I only saw the team lineup when I was actually in the stadium and mm. I, and I saw that and I first of all I saw Hog and I was like who then <laughs> I saw Bannon and I thought oh fuck because we're playing Manchester United so you really need you know your big guns all fit but. It was amazing that game. I he do, expected yeah. zero, and 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 we should have. I think Ferguson said uh, we should have. Villa should have been five nil mm. up at half time. Mm. I remember that game. I remember another <laughs> game we didn't beat them. Um, I, I think many. where where Downing fits into that is that is that he was of that period, and and of him particularly. I, I mean, my my view is that uh, we've talked about how Boateng was a was a seven out of ten. Downing always suggested he might be able to go into that top, top class of footballer without, for me, at least at Villa, uh, ever really showing it. And you just mentioned Ashley Young, who, as well as having the ability to cross a ball and be and, um, and ghost inside, if you like, Young was genuinely threatening when running at defenders. I always felt yeah. that um, Downing was uh, underwhelming at times, that he, he, he had it in his locker, I think, but... I just find myself rolling my eyes to when I think back at Downing the amount of times he'd hit the first defender or or his cross would come to nothing. Just to bring Chris in, uh, I don't know if you if you're like me, Chris. When when we played against Downing, didn't really fear him. No, no, no. I, I remember strangely the night actually one of my more vivid Downing memories was not actually for Villa. It was when we he'd gone back to Middlesbrough and it was when we yeah, played him yeah. in the semi final. Of the playoffs because mm-hmm. they had a free kick, didn't they? Right on the edge of the box in stoppage time, and he hit the bar. I remember, yeah. Um, yeah he was forty-eight then, though. You got to remember. <laughs> but it was strange that he was still playing. You know, he was still a consistent. I think you'd you'd class him as like a sort of a tidy play. You know, he was good on the ball, but he was just he never yeah. had that kind of he never had X factor in anything he did. You know, no. he didn't have like the the cliche left foot wand of a left foot, and he never had real pace or sort of aggression. He was just never quite reached the heights that were maybe ex- expected of him. You always hoped he'd get out of that seven out of ten gear, and he never mm. was. He was never a nine or a ten. Whereas Ashley Young would have games where he would win you a match. You never thought Downing would yeah, yeah. yeah. take a game by the scruff of the neck and win it. You you always thought he'd have to have somebody good playing with him and. It was a bit of a strange one because he used to play out on the right-hand side as a left-footer and cut in, but he never had yeah. a right foot. So it's no. like if he had to get his head down and go to the byline and beat the fullback, you knew full well he wasn't going to. Yeah. He didn't He didn't have super pace, did he? No. He didn't. He didn't. And I think you. I look back now, you look at the valuation, he was not... He was not a twenty million pound footballer in in twenty eleven. That was happy days. That was, that was a unbelievable piece of business from Villa. Considering you know, at that and, point yeah. Villa was starting to hit the self destruct button, that was like a masterstroke. And he fits into that category of of you know when he joined us at twenty four for for ten million of of pricey English international yeah. midfielder who's shown some promise at plucky Middlesbrough who got an outrageous move in, in retrospect and with the benefit of hindsight to Liverpool. And for me, for that reason, he's overrated. He you know, he contributed just one assist in his first 25 games and he had a, a reasonable second season for Villa with seven assists, seven assists and seven goals. Was that the Julio year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, he, he sits in, he sits somewhere in there with, with 59 career assists in the Premier League, but by no means... You know, again, I think it's quite underwhelming when you compare it to someone with, say, like Milner, who was in the same team now, and you look at where his career's gone in the same time. He's got 84 assists uh, without a similar role, really. 
Yeah. Oh, I did have one more, just in case uh, Chris was on the borderline. Uh, remember the old uh, the scandal with him and Andy Carroll holding up the Liverpool scarf at some bar? I think it was in Spain. No. Remember that? Before he signed for Liverpool. Right. Now, now some Liverpool, uh, sorry, some Villa fans said, oh, Photoshop, Photoshop. But there was, a, there was a photo that came out in that close season of him and Andy Carroll behind a bar, and they were both holding a Liverpool scarf. And it, it, let's put it this way, it didn't go down too well on uh, social media. So he was already out the, out the club, never yeah. mind uh, if Villa wanted to uh, sell him or not. He was, already he, was doing, he was already doing DJ sets in Ibiza by then as well. <laughs> As that was his little side hustle. In Be the joking. What is it with professional footballers? Yeah, I'm going to say uh, overrated, especially when uh, you, you nudge in 20 million. Uh, although that was that was an underrated piece of business by Villa. Mm, they, mm, they, they for a change. Doubled their money on a player, which never happens, does it? Yeah, he's well, very... Unless it's he, Benteke. Yeah, you, you, you'd have to put him in the overrated one, just because he sits in that and yet another player that sums up the Martin O'Neill era, you know, huge amounts of money spent, no doubt on high wages, but the end product and the final result just didn't happen. Promised a lot, and he was a good player. He was a good player, but it, Villa just hoped it for more. boring. He was so boring. Yeah, but put it this way. I mean, I've already said overrated, but my final word on him would be, if you were building a successful squad, as Villa were trying to do at that time, you would have him in your squad 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the ex- the expectation versus the reality was. Yeah. If anybody's got any uh, suggestions uh, for future shows, uh, do uh, drop us a line. Uh, all people will be considered, including uh, Mustafa Hadji. <laughs> right. On to uh, Legend of Fraud, where we discuss, uh, if you haven't heard it before, we close the show by looking at people who uh, that modern day fans consider a legend when really they don't stack up. And uh, I think I said last show, we will, by the end of this, find a, a legit legend. And here we have uh, Mr. John Devy. Most Villa fans probably never heard of him. I mean, I've read about him and then forgot about him and read about him again and forgot about him. And recently, uh, the Villa fans of consultation group were asked to put forward nominations uh, for this all-time best Villa eleven, which uh, these players will adorn the frames on the side of the halts that uh, you may have seen in the latter days of the season. I thought it might be easier for those frames just to be filled by the European Cup winning uh, team uh, that would uh, save a lot of hassle on. uh, It's obviously going to be a subjective vote and a younger audience will probably vote. So a lot of players will uh, go missing. Anyway, this chap, uh, as I was refreshing my memory of his exploits, uh, he captained the club during what is considered our golden age. And uh, it's not the uh, early 80s. It's when Devi won five league championship medals, two FA Cups. I think he was in a runners-up in the league as well. And he, he was a captain during most of this. And he was also captain uh, of the double-winning season of 1896-97. I mean, you're looking at Captain Fantastic already. But not only that, he scored 183 goals along the way and played for England. But also, uh, I think he racked up like 6,500 runs for Warwickshire as well. He was a talented cricketer, mm. all-rounder like Ian Botham. But Ian Botham only played for Scunthorpe United. 
<laughs> John played for the mighty Aston Villa and won league titles and FA Cups. I mean, six and a half thousand first-class runs is impressive, isn't it? Yeah, I forgot how many centuries he had. Eight, but anyway, eight centuries. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Although we're not judging him on his cricket ability. This this is a guy that you could just name drop the headline uh, achievements, but he's got so many side hustles. If that wasn't enough, after he retired playing, he, he then went on to be a director at Villa for, I think it was like 30 years. And back in those days, the directors, it was a board and they actually chose the team. So they were essentially, you know, the manager. I think it was the 1930s. So certain teams adopted a manager at different stages. Villa didn't rush into getting a manager, put it that way. We've always been more successful when we haven't had a manager historically. But in short, I mean, this is a guy who couldn't uh, really do much more to be considered a legend. I mean, it's hard to think of any Villa player that can match that. I mean, it's in the eighties. You've got one league title, European Cup, and a Super Cup. How many? How many first class runs has Gabby Agbonlahor got? <laughs> <laughs> Even well, on a football field. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing in, in this uh, in the voting. I mean, I, I can't say what the shortlist is, but uh, this guy was actually out of the top ten strikers, and only two players have actually scored in that top 10 had scored more goals than him and he'd scored double over like uh let's say a third of the players on that list so uh, we've i actually said that we sh- should have a rethink on him because uh, i mean this could be potentially a bit like uh, in a hundred years time barcelona having their top 11 barcelona team of all time and them just not even remembering messi to you know to put messi mm-hmm. in their uh, mm-hmm. top 11 it does have that well, sort it'd be of also aura. like you know the, if to use the barcelona comparison it'd be like them not acknowledging what johan cruyff did as both a player and then the way barcelona play now is directly influenced from johan cruyff's methods that he passed down through the youth system and built la masia and all that sort of stuff this is a guy yeah. who did it on the field for Villa, and then he did it for, what, you know, 30 years off the field? He did it for Warwickshire! <laughs> and he did it for the Bears, you Bears! <laughs> but, and, you know, this is a home so, you know, he had He had longevity, a genuine longevity. It wasn't one of these guys who sort of, you know, in terms of, like, you know, you look at some of the, the other you know, the forward options who are big... Charlatans. Big, no, but, like, even people who are considered forward, like someone like an Andy Gray, for example, scored a lot of goals. He's considered a bit of a legend, but he hasn't had the long... The long-lasting legacy at Villa. Yeah, and and, and Devi scored actually well over twice the amount of goals as Andy Gray did. To put it into context, I mean there aren't that many former Villa players who have then earned the right to be on the board. Yeah, I mean in recent year you can probably only think of someone like Brian Little, who's you know sort of worked his way from being a you know player manager and then at executive level. Yeah. I mean, JD, as I like to call him, should have a fucking statue outside of Villa Park. I mean, or at least a stand. Did... I mean, Jesus Christ, if Doug Ellis can have one. What more did he have to do? It's quite, it's kind of quite astonishing. Uh... I mean, put it, if, if, if you did, if a Villa player did what he did now, he would be immortal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> immortal. <laughs> <laughs> this is another level yeah. of uh, achievement. This is, and how, how do you slip through the cracks? I mean, obviously, it's a few years ago. I think he only got a couple of England caps, though. But who needs England caps when you've got five championship medals and two FA Cups? But it wasn't like he didn't hang around and you think, you know... He, he, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he was there for 30 years after 30 his years playing after. career. Yeah. Was he an art? Was he a complete arsehole? Is that what, what I'm missing out here? I don't know. I don't know. But the thing is, you look at, like like you say, though, if you walk into like into any into the trophy room, 
into the trophy, looking in, in the gleaming trophy cabinet of Villa Park. Most of those historic trophies and accolades yeah, will, will be attributed to him, yeah. Mm. Um, is it just uh, a lack of sort of coverage of that era? Well, I mean, obviously it's a long time ago, but you can't consider one of the marketing frameworks is, you know, the ancient history, if you want to call it that, you know, the founding of the league, the the 1874. And here we have a, a player that uh, his accolades stack up against any 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 yeah. player that's ever played the game in this country. I mean, in modern day, you're looking at Manchester United players. They're the only ones that could probably have a chance of matching uh, that hall of domestic uh, trophies. Well, you'd put him in the same, you know, in Man United terms, to to do what he did on the field, and then be there as a director for thirty years. You're talking about a Bobby Charlton figure. Well, he's yeah. he's, he's got to be considered, you know, one of the greatest captains in the club's history on on bringing all these things together. And the and the fact on top of all of this, in terms of one of those big sort of pillar stones that Villa fans seem to revere their legends in, he was born right by the ground. Mm-hmm. He was born in Newtown. Yeah, and, and just going back to what what a legend is, I I, I always I, I think you got to take the uh, you got to take away the small pro cruel mentality, small time mentality, and think about what do other f- clubs fans what would they think of us offering a certain player up as this is a legend of our club? And if you say I don't know, I don't want to name names uh, just randomly, say Ian Taylor. While uh, he, you know, he's close to the hearts of a lot of Villa fans. Some club fans will 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 say who, mm-hmm. or other other club fans who actually remember him and know him would would wouldn't even consider him getting in their team if it's a Manchester United or Liverpool or whatever. But you pull some guy out like this and you say, look, five championship winning medals, two FA Cups season, double double winning Won season. The double, yeah. yeah. And just to captain any team for eight years, a successful team and to be captain, that's like Paolo Maldi, uh, you know, Maldini yeah. territory. And there's no football fan of any other club that, that they couldn't dispute him as a, as, a, as a proper player, if you know what I mean, a proper legend. They'll go, well, fair play. So that's the kind of level you want to be looking at a legend, a player that's... Uh, Everybody has to bow down to. As Chris said, if he was around today, he would be immortal. <laughs> you look at the guy, and, and the, the stats speak for themselves. You know, you, to, to, you know, you compare to sort of someone like an Ian Taylor. Ian, Ian Taylor is considered a legend. It's a very much a personality thing. You know, if if Taylor wasn't a Villa fan, would he be held in that regard? Yeah. No. Whereas you know, this guy is equally a local lad. He's you know, he's played for his boyhood club, and he's captained it for eight years. I can't think of a Villa player in my lifetime who's even been in the first team for eight years, really, other than someone like a Gareth Barry, let alone captained that team. I mean, some people go, well, yeah, but that was a different game back then. Well, yeah, but you used to play with a ball that was like a rock. That would kill you. I mean, El Ghazi would be dead by now. (laughs) Wesley would be dead by now if he had to play with one of those balls. And uh, they would play in boots that were like bricks. So it's all very comparative. On shit pitches. On, on ship pitches, so it was, I think it was a harder game back then. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think we have our legend there. Well, if, if he's not a legend, we're fucked. He fits all the criteria, <laughs> doesn't he? Yep. So uh, is, it, is it simply an, an era thing and the lack of documentation of that era? You know, there's no videos of him. There's nothing like that. So would that be why even the club? Don't hold, you know. Don't give him the sort Completely. of. They don't shout about him because they just can't. Please do send in your donations for the my old man said John Dervy solid gold statue that will be built 
two metres uh, social distancing from the uh, William McGregor statue. By the time fans are allowed back, uh, there'll be two statues at the front of Villa Park. Let's end on that legend note. Please do subscribe and follow. Uh, don't forget if you're uh, on the look out for some bargains, you can always go to the My Old Man Said shop or we'll just go to My Old Man Said and click on the shop and I like to keep the discount codes and uh, links updated to uh, get the best possible deals. There's been some good ones on the shirts and they kept replenishing the stock. I thought it was all dead on the away shirt, but then suddenly uh, XL2s and XLs were, were popping up all over the place and uh, even bigger sizes. But I think we may have uh, reached the end of the line there, but uh, I'll, I will keep that updated. Please do drop us a uh, review on uh, Apple if you listen on that platform just to lift our spirits during these uh, madness inducing times and uh, take care out there so until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye my fairer friends If you haven't heard it before, we close the show by looking at people who, uh, well, this is a bit different, this one, actually. Looking at people who the modern day considered, 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 considered. I, I feel like my, look, the end, the end. Come on, Elton. I feel like the end of my tongue has disappeared. It needs liquid. It's forked. You lost your teeth again. Yeah. That modern day fans consider a legend when really they don't stack up. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.